Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim Goody with me as usual. We'll be turning all our attention on the British and Irish Lions as we look ahead to the first test this weekend. The guys picked their starting test team and we're heading inside the Lions camp to find out how Warren Gatlin's men have been preparing. So settle back, make sure you've subscribed to Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together... We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Happy Freedom Day, lads. How are you? In England. Freedom! Are you in England, Jim, are you? No, I'm in Scotland. There's no freedom here, even though we made up freedom. I don't want to get all historic and political but we made up the phrase freedom and we're not we're not free we're still wearing a mask but don't wear a mask eat out don't eat out get isolated don't get isolated but then if you do get isolated the ping you can isolate but don't isolate but we've changed our minds we are going to isolate i'm in scotland <laughs> so not a lot's changed up here but there was a bit of freedom i was down in london last week and i know it wasn't quite freedom day and i'm not going to give you the full story but i was down in london on tuesday night who goes out on a tuesday night me and I was with rival, friend, colleague, who I used to play with him. Can I say his name? I'll say it. The Hask. I was out with James Haskell for, let's just say, one beer responsibly. It could have been 40, but let's just say one because it was a Tuesday night and who goes out on a Tuesday night. But there we go. We'll just leave that there. We'll maybe talk about that more next week because it is a big week. And look, you know, we need some integrity when we talk about what's coming up. But anyway, nightclubs are open. It's Freedom Day down in England. Goody's back off holiday. He's blown up to 18 stone or whatever it is. Sun's out, <laughs> bum bag's out, and I'm not a fan of the sun. I'm going to put it out there. I do. I, I like the sun, but I don't like lying out in the sun. I'm, I'm warm, warm-blooded lads. Warm-blooded, like the cold, and that's why I live in Scotland. Did you tell Beck it was a quiet one? You had one beer, or do you have 40 beers? What was the story that Beck found out? What do you mean what she found out? Well, the, the, what she found out was the truth, Andrew. Um, I told her I got in at 12. I didn't tell her it was 12 in the afternoon. I did tell her <laughs> it was 12 at night. Who goes out on a Tuesday? All I'm saying, nothing's open on the Tuesday night, lads. It was a quiet one. Me and Hask reconnecting. Not that we had unconnected, but, you know, some people see us as rivals. I, like, I just see us as two alpha males going about their business. Who's trying to make the most white noise on social media? Well, Hask's winning that. He is. He's winning that, and he's doing his thing. We're doing our thing. See, I've put me and you together, Goody. Like, as in we, it's him and we. You said you're old teammates. When were you old teammates? Well, when I thought I was English, and he was English. Yeah, it was a weird time for me, lads. I was in this weird (laughs) period. And I've mentioned it before, a lot of people are in these periods now. Like, you don't know who you are, what you are. Who am I? I'm Sean Valjean. And I was English Jim then, and now I'm Scottish James. Andrew, you were missed, but you are obviously... I was going to say tanning, eating on holiday. How was it? So I've asked you many a times because I've got a few weeks off after the Lions. Well, at least I think I have. There's no ruggers. But I can't go on holiday because the kids are back at school. So the timings just don't work. 
Is it a place? Can I get there? Will I be allowed? Red, amber, green, blue, orange, purple, whatever the colour is. Can I go to Spain, Menorca, Mallorca? Is it worth it? Calm down, calm down, lads. All right, lads. Well, first and foremost, uh, I'm back. And I don't know if it's holiday blues or what. I'm so positive today. Back off a, a 10-day holiday with the family. There's a lot of love in Mallorca for the podcast. Um, one night, I've gone for, got out the taxi with the kids. Now, bearing in mind, the kids are three. Mrs. is there. iPads are all there. We sat in a beautiful port outside at a restaurant. Kids are happy. I've got a gin and tonic. Mrs. has got a gin and tonic. Kids have got the iPads, so they're quiet. And a gin and tonic. Make them sleep. We're I just, don't think you can say yeah, that, but yeah. No, yeah, no. We're just connecting as a family. And then the bunch of lads come up and like, Goody, how are you? Literally come and stand over the table. Really polite. Get up, say hello to them, have a couple of pictures. Kids are looking at me like, what's dad doing? The weirdo. Dad, sit down. Dad, Legend. Dinner. Mrs. being polite to these lads and all this stuff. And it carries on. Yeah, they, they keep talking to me. I'm like, all right, lads. Good to see you. I'm just going to have some food with the family. I'll come for a beer in a bit. And the throwaway comment is, I'll come over to your table for a beer in a bit. Of course, I'm with the family. I ain't just going to leave the family and walk over to them and have a load of beers. And Why? Why oh, not? Because I'm a good <laughs> I father, would have. James. I'm a good father. Anyway, so we get to the end of the night, you know, had a six or seven G&Ts in us now and it's dark and those boys have had a few more and it's getting a bit more rowdy. I can see there's a decent bar down the end with this buzzing and, you know, we've got the kids. Mrs. takes the kids into the restaurant to, to go to the bathroom before we get a taxi. I was like, I'll get a taxi. You take the kids to the bathroom and then uh, we'll jump off. As she's come back outside, these lads have come to my table again. They're like, Gouda, you're staying. Tell me you're staying. Tell me you're staying out for the night. Send the missus and the kids back in the taxi. You stay out. At that point, you lit a camel, no? <laughs> no, I didn't, know. At that point, the missus has heard them say, Goody, send the kids and the missus back in the taxi. You stay out. And she's she's walked in. She's like, you can keep him. Not only can you keep him for tonight, you can keep, keep him for the whole fucking week if you want to. And they were like, yeah, definitely, lads, definitely. And I'm like, someone kidnap me quickly. Someone take me and I'll just make out it's a... It's a kidnapping and, you know, the missus will go home and we'll have an amazing night. And I was obviously wanted to stay out with those lads, but the r- responsible thing, myself, get in the taxi, make sure the girls are happy. They, they, it's all about the twins, isn't it? It's all about family life. But the love of the pod outside of, you know, we've been living in lockdown now for 15, 16 months. And when you get out into the public domain and you see people enjoying themselves on holiday and they love the podcast, it's a, it's a little pick-me-up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Nice little tan head down working again and then we'll have another holiday hopefully in august no doubt well let me just say a quick hello to all my spanish amigos i don't know if you can say amigos now or miguel miguelos hola bon chance mon ami hola gratitas gratis that's your spanish is it (laughs) should we talk about some rugby now then paella i'll just throw that one in there (laughs) (laughs) it's it's fine here lads the first test of the british and irish lions tour in south africa you excited about that I am now. I can't wait. We actually got there. Me and Andrew, I don't know whether together collectively or in our little circles of cliques, we were downbeat on the Lions tour. Let's be honest about it. Until there was that non-fourth South Africa A, but it was really the Springbok team, anyone that was fit. Game was played. And that, that got the juices flowing, lads. Now, there's still a few days to go. Anything can change. As we know, I don't want to be the man that brings it down. But I am Scottish. I am dour. I see the negatives in a lot of things. But not this, lads. I am pumped. Yeah, definitely. It is true, isn't it? What Jim said and everyone said what happened last week with that South Africa A team has, has really brought the tour back to to life, really, hasn't it? It was kind of just bobbling along with 50, 60-point wins. And you, know, you could all see that it was just about the Test Series. And 
that selection by Razi Erasmus and Jack Nienaber, you know, of the South African A team, which everyone said is a test. And they had the right to do it, really, didn't they? Because their test against Georgia got called off, the second one, um, for COVID reasons and, and the amount that was ripping through both camps, actually. They've gone through all the protocols, testing it. But, mate, when you see Eben Etzebeth in a team, you see Faf de Klerk, you know, a lot of the boys that are World Cup winners and the pipes on Eben Etzebeth, Charging down Owen Farrell's kick. You know the Lions tour is getting serious. And pipe, you know, he's only got there. one. He's probably got two pipes, two out of three. And <laughs> one of them is his arm. Yeah. So it's great to see. And it's really, you know, whetted the appetite for what's to come. And, you know, the, the whole narrative around what team Gatlin picks. Everyone's got an opinion around that. There's no clear and obvious. I, I reckon if every pundit and every fan wrote down their teams 1 to 23, 1% of people might get it right. Well, I am in that 1%, Andrew. I reckon I'm in that 1%. <laughs> and that's what, you know, the 60-point drubbings that have shown us, that everyone's in form and how hard it is to, to pick a test team when you've got a lot of players in form. Um, and the games have been average until we play South Africa A. So, yeah, the hype is back up and we're booming and ready to go for this Saturday. What did we learn from that game against South Africa A? It's difficult, really, because the Lions didn't actually show too much in terms of their attack. You know, they didn't really drive any lineouts, um, which we know are going to be a big part of any game. Attack-wise, was that we only put one or two plays on, I think, really. And it was, you know, kind of cagey. Owen Farrell played at 10 um, and it was probably a plan, but they kicked a hell of a lot in terms of how England have played in the Six Nations, which we know didn't get them very far. So was that a tactical decision to not show the hand too much, having seen what South Korea team was was picked? You just don't know. Was it Farrell reverting back to type of what he knows and playing a territorial kicking base game because that's what Slavka do and it was trying to win that kicking battle. So did what did we learn? We knew that the Slavkins are hard. Physically, they're going to come after us, as we know. We know the set-piece battle is going to be huge. But we also found out that there's certain parts of Slavka's game. They haven't played that much rugby. The second half, they were flagging a bit. And so that's when you think tactically, do we change things to say, actually... We've got to accept there's going to be a physical confrontation. We know that. But the flip side of it is we can run them ragged at times and with more accuracy and get them absolutely blowing by 60 minutes, we can win the second test in that last 20 minutes by having pace, power and accuracy uh, and playing a game that they perhaps can't handle because they're not as game ready as perhaps they would have been had the world been as normal as it could be. Well, I think the Lions were shocked in that first half. There's physicality, right? And there's talk of going to South Africa and playing South African teams. It's going to be physical. And then there is getting absolutely monstered by one bloke. And we saw that just how physical, look how physical they were close to their try line. I know there was the talk around Fafta Clerk's tackle going slightly high. If your smallest man in your team is wanting to hit you that hard, imagine what it feels like being hit by Peter Steftatoy and Ebenezer Beth, anyone else in that team. If, if Fafta Clerk is willing to hit you that hard, Take the fact out it was slightly high. If he was two inches lower, it would have been really hard. It's illegal as well, isn't it? Because he's not wrapped his arm. Well, there's a few illegal hits. And I quite enjoyed, not the illegal hits. I enjoyed the interactions between Razzie and Warren Gatland and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it adds to it. My thing is, is I think it benefited the Lions more playing that game because it shocked them into knowing how physical it is really going to be. If that South Africa undercooked, having played one game, a team run against Georgia... And the Lions, remember, let's remember, most of these Lions players have played all season and they've played in big games, they've played in the Six Nations, high-pressure games, physical games. If that's South Africa's first hit out, proper hit out, and they are absolutely monstering you, 
then I can only see that as a positive for the Lions because they now know if that was the first test, right? Then I, I don't know if there's a way back for them. But the fact that it wasn't, I think, stands us in a much better uh, position. But it shows to me that it's on because South Africa, half of that squad, I don't know if, it, if that squad itself have had COVID. Like I said, they've not played. The Lions really, when you think about it, were primed to play that game yeah. in terms of the build-up that they've had, and they lost. So I think I've seen enough in that South Africa team to make me think that they could win the series. Have we seen enough of the Lions? You know, they had another team run at the weekend. Now, this is what, where it comes down to selection. I think you're in a better position to pick players that fronted up against South Africa A than you are against players that played exceptionally well in team runs against the Sharks and with no disrespect, the Stormers, because you're going to get a better gauge, aren't you, On in terms of Tom Curry. Let's talk about him. I want Hamish Watson to play. We've learned nothing about Hamish Watson, except that he's an unbelievable player, because Hamish hasn't been tested. Tom Curry got tested against South Africa A. This is the whole debate around, does Gatlin pick based on how well players have played on tour? Well, they've been training runs effectively. Or does he pick on pass form, and players that fronted up in that game on Wednesday night. Yeah, and I, I added into that as well what you said then about if that was the first test and the Lions lost it, there's no coming back from it. There is obviously a chance that you can come back in a three-test series, but I think there's only ever one tour that's lost the first test and then won the series, um, which was Finley Calder's lot in, was it 1989 or something? So you know, historically, you're talking, you lose the first test and it's very, 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 very tough to come back from. So yeah, you know, Jim's right. It's hard to pick. I'd say the only two that are nailed on for most people would be Maratoji and, and Conor Murray. Really? Or maybe not even Conor Murray. Conor Murray, I'm probably going off that because he's captain or he, he named him as captain. So in reality, Maratoji is probably the only guy for me that's nailed on definitely starting because you could make cases for a lot of other players. Well, we'll get to test selection soon. We'll, we'll name our, our 15, a starting man 15 for the first test. What do you think of Alan Wynne Jones's performance off the bench? Did he did he look ready for the first test? Just say it, Jim. How? <laughs> He's hard, no doubt about it. There's absolutely no doubt about it in my mind that Alan Wynne Jones is hard. For me, this is it for him, isn't it? So, regard even if you're seventy percent fit, you're chancing your arm, in my opinion. And he looked good when he came on. Uh, he, he did. He, he, I, I say a couple of big shots. He got stuck in. He looked busy in the loose. And I think everyone's happy to see him back. Gen- genuinely, hand on heart, I'm happy to see him back. I think he starts as captain. Why else have you brought him back? If you're not going to play him in the first test, like you're not going to wait for the second test or third test, are you? He- he- he's into play, in my opinion. So I think we'll see Alan Wynne Jones start. I think he did enough to warrant starting. Like, you know, if, if you're going to come off the bench and your shoulders stayed in, then get, get in there, boss, your captain. Warren Gatlin's come back and said, mate, Conor Murray, you're no longer captain. Alan Wynne-Jones, you're in. And what that does do is maybe open up an opportunity for Ali Price, who, let's face it, has been better than Conor Murray. But uh, yeah, I think Alan Wynne-Jones, I think we'll see him and Marrow in the second row. And uh, I, I'm, I'm pumped for him. I mean, what a, what a story. If he comes through and the Lions win the series, and I mean, there is no denying the credentials of Alan. Well, there's no d- denying his credentials now, Alan Wynne-Jones. Maybe I questioned him one or two times. But look, he's publicly said... <laughs> that that has pushed him to want to get back there. <laughs> He's listened to the podcast on the way home after the Japan game 
And he's like, like I'm going to prove these fuckers wrong. And you've done it again. <laughs> you've done it again. So keep doing it, Alan Wynn. Keep doing it and keep fighting that good fight. I think, I think the thing on it as well is a lot of people are kind of saying, how's that happened? It's a big risk. It's this, it's that. You've got to remember that these medics, not only the Welsh medics that have put him through his paces and now the Lions medics, there's no physio or doctor in the world that's going to let him go back on the tour and play if he's not in that physio or doctor's mind good enough to go and do it. Clearly, he's at a level where physically, in that position, and Jim, you'll know more about this than anyone, it's not like you're a winger where you don't actually need your shoulder half the time to play rugby. Second row is you need to be able to jump, hit rucks, scrummage, absolutely everything, blast malls, whatever. Shoulders are pretty important in that. A winger can hide, sometimes an outside centre can hide. I played at 10 with pop shoulders where I was defending at fullback and I was playing touch rugby the whole game but that's probably my whole career anyway so there is a huge difference between a second row as hard as Alan Jones doing it and people saying oh it's a massive risk those medics are not going to put them in a position to that if they don't feel that his recovery is good enough so uh, yeah I'm with Jim now he's there fucking get him skips get him starting let's get behind Alan Jones his finger sucking his bald head <laughs> He's a quality <laughs> operator. Let's just, let's just Lions are winning this three 0 Come on, Alan Wynn. If they win it three 0 if the Lions win it three 0 and Alan Wynn Jones comes through this series, I will put out there me doing the splits. Maybe not me top off. I'll see how I look in three weeks, and I will suck my finger. I'm telling you now, that's what I'll do, for, Andrew. That's what I'll do for you if this there is what go. unfolds. Just as a sorry, as a thank you to Alan Wynn Jones. And will you shave your head as well? I might not do that. I shaved it during lockdown, but we're back, everything's opening back up now, isn't it? So you've got to get back on brand. That's what people want. And if I head out to Mallorca or Menorca with all the chavs, calm down, calm down, they ain't going to recognise me with bald head, are they? So that, that's what I'm thinking. How good's Marcus Smith been? Do you reckon he's got a chance of being on the bench for the first test? Um, no, I don't. And I'm not trying to be horrible to Marcus Smith because I love the story of what we've seen so far. Um, I love the fact that you know, he's been central to, to Quinn's success and you know, he's a youngster that's... Everyone's been crying out for Marcus Smith to be given an opportunity with England and now Eddie Jones picks him. He plays well again in those two tests. Gats takes it to another level and it just goes to show his performance, and I know it's a team run, but his actual individual brilliance at times against the Stormers at the weekend, it, it was a perfect performance from him with, with, with a lot of his skill sets his touches his outside break you know is he going to start or be on the bench in the test series that starts next week when he's just got out there no I don't think he is um, does it change test two test three quite possibly I think you know for me I think Dan Bigger starts and Owen Farrell's on the bench as, as, he, as he two tens but Marcus Smith couldn't have done any more um, to, to get himself in the mix and you know it's brilliant to see his success over the last few weeks and obviously how well he performed at the weekend He'd been in camp, what, for about three hours, crossfield kick, sidestep. I was more impressed with his tackling and getting stuck yeah. in. Um, I don't know whether he needs to cut the mop, though. He's constantly putting his hands through it. I th- I, well, I'm just jealous if I had that Jealousy, much, yeah. that is, Jim. That's jealousy. I know. I, it always comes back to that, doesn't it? It always comes back to what he should and shouldn't do and, and, and this and that. But, but it, what it boils down to is my insecurities that he's got an unbelievable head of hair. But what any, whatever happens for him for the rest of this tour, he is... Like my mentor Gat said, he is for the next four, five, six, eight years going to be the leading light of fly halves. IMO. And it, you never know. That third test, he might come off the bench, slot a drop goal, get the goose out, stick Lewis Reese Zammett away. Imagine him and Lewis Reese Zammett, the two youngest kids on the tour, create the winning try in the third test and we win the series. I mean, 
they're the things that can happen. I don't think he'll be involved in the first test, but he's done everything he can. And let's hope there's a, a romantic story to finish it because he's had a couple already this year. And I'm sure there's one left in the tank. Warren Gatlin will be naming his team for the first test on Thursday, but everyone's got their view on who should be in and who shouldn't be. So let's get your Lions 15 now then, lads. Take us through 1-15 to and why you've gone for them. This is the team, and I don't think I'm far away from it. So I'm going Win Jones, who, by the way, I tweeted back in February that this guy's going to be a Lion, and people are asking me if I'm taking the piss or not. Uncle Hamish called it. I'm an expert. You know your ruggers. So I'm going for Win Jones. Yeah. Rory Sutherland's got a real opportunity to start. He has. But Rory Sutherland, the build-up to that, he's been injured. Win Jones, for me, will stand out in the Six Nations, whether you like it or not. He's good over ball, which is important, obviously. And I'm a big fan of his. I'd like to see the Southern start. I think Wynn Jones will start. Yeah, I agree. Pretty simple Do for you? me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. A lot of people thinking Sutherland to start. Mako, unfortunately, scrum penalties. Whatever reason, he's in the heads of the referees. World Cup final could be on the bench. Luke Houndicky. No one has stood out for me in the last year in world rugby as hooker than him. Oh, my chopperoo tackle. Hard as nails. He's like, he's in form. So... Line-outs on, on point. He's in there. You could argue for Jamie George as well. Ken Owens, Sheriff. Love him. It's the one of the hardest positions to pick, but I've gone for Luke Cowan-Dickey. I'm disagreeing, Jim. I'm picking Ken Owens. I just think he's a Gatsy's lieutenant for years. It, it, you know, there's so It's so close between the three hookers, isn't it? Uh, and, and what each one brings to the table. But yeah, I'm just going Ken Owens. Tyke Furlong. No one's tested him, really. Sinclair off the bench. Uh, Xander Ferguson's not done enough on tour for me, unfortunately. Obviously, had a back injury. Ty Furlong is probably head and shoulders. Not head and shoulders. Ahead. He's ahead above the other tight head. Sinclair obviously got called up on tour late. So, Ty Furlong, I reckon Sinclair will be on the bench. Can't disagree with that. Marrow in the second row, a given. Alan Wynne-Jones, captain, he's in. Agree, mate. If Alan Wynne-Jones is there, you have to start him. The back row's an interesting one. Tough, Because it? It, it is the toughest one because of the quality of players. I think Ty Byrne sneaks past Courtney Laws. I don't think he'll go for Curry and Hamish Watson. Uh, uh, people are mentioning them at six and seven. Well, have you seen them at six and seven before? Have you ever seen Hamish Watson play six or Tom Curry? I'm sure Tom Curry's probably played six. Curry has, yeah. But not really. He's a seven. Yeah. Like you've been, but he's also be, played eight. Yeah, he has played eight. But has he played eight? Has he played eight? <laughs> you know? Um, so I've gone for Ty Byrne. He's done enough. He's been standout in some of the stuff that he's done. Good over ball. Um, scores tries. And was wicked in the Six Nations. Yeah, I just think that Courtney Laws starts um, ahead of Ty Byrne at six. The physicality. What happened against the Springboks A, South Africa A, with that physicality, Courtney Laws is primed to take that on. So uh, I think big court starts at six ahead of Tideburn. And seven. Andrew, you tell, I, I put it out there because Hamish ain't speaking to me now. It is test week, but I've gone for Tom Curry. I don't think it makes a big difference. It matters who goes in there. Warren Gatland said that they're both playing really well. I just think he'll go for Tom Curry because he's more up and down physical in terms of the tackle in terms of the collision. Hamish Watson's slightly different the way that he carries. He's a monster ball carrier. South Africa, you need to stop him dead. I think Hamish Watson against Peter Steph de Toy is getting tackled hard. Tom Curry is getting tackled hard. So it's much of a muchness when it comes to the ball carrier because you're getting fucking monsters anyway. So <laughs> I reckon Tom Curry just edges it around the contact area. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, they're both world-class sevens, you know, both sides of the ball, ball carrying and getting over it. Curry is a, he's a coach's dream, isn't he? Um, you know, just how he plays. He's so physical, so energetic. It doesn't give many penalties away as a seven. But yeah, so I completely agree. I think Curry just starts ahead of Hamish Watson, but I'm having Hamish on the bench. Definitely. Ahead of Sam Simmons, unfortunately. Tolupe Falatau at eight. Arguably, you could say he's not been amazing, but we don't want to go back four years to 2017. But he's a big game player. He's a big yeah. bloke. He's unbelievable in the carries, unbelievable in open space. I don't think Sam Simmons has have enough. Ha, I don't think he's had enough exposure on tour. Mm. Do you know what I mean? For whatever reason, however it's unfolded for him, Falatau is one of them players that has enough in the bank to be like, mate, you're starting eight. Agreed. It, it's one of them that some players will get picked on a little bit of what they've got in the bank credit wise with Gats, and I think this is one for Tulipe Falatau. Big game player will rock up. Um, you know, he may not start all three tests. We'll see what happens. But I think for this first one, Tulupi Falatel starts at eight. Scrum off. Connor Murray. He's been named as captain. He's a controlling nine. I know some people think he hasn't performed as well as Ali Price and Gareth Davis potentially on the tour. But again, it's been team runs, hasn't it, for those boys that, you know, they've been front football and, and they've been really good. So I think... Conor Murray's control, his kicking game, um, you know, his experience, the fact that he was named skipper, I think he gets to start at nine. I am checking, you convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> He's changed. <laughs> well, only because I think it will change for the second test. It ain't about the second test now, Jim. Yeah, I know, I know, but I think you're right. I think with Conor Murray, you're right. And when I look through the archives and I look through the game from last week, Ali Price has been on the front foot. Conor Murray is proven at the highest level. He hasn't played that well. He's a big game player. He's Gats's captain, vice-captain. You ain't not going to play him. I think Ali Price should play. I think Ali Price should play the second test. Uh, but yeah, let's go. I, I'm agreeing with you. But you saying Ali Price will start in the second test means that we probably lose the first test because you need to make a change at nine. So why are you being so negative, Jim? Not necessarily. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we win the first test and Conor Murray starts at nine, he's definitely starting at nine in the second unless he's injured. Uh, fly half. Um, it's For me, it's, it's actually... Why? Why is it, it tough? Why are you pausing? It's not, How, no, how are you pausing say, on that? I'm not. It's not even... What I'm saying is it's not even close for me. Um, Dan Bigger starts all, all day long. Uh, Owen Farrell, he played at 12 in one game. He played at 10 in a couple of others and has been all right. But Dan Bigger... You know, the form that he's been in, his competitiveness, his ability to play at the game line, his kicking, everything about him. Um, we're massive Dan Bigger fans, aren't we? Um, his missus bakes unbelievable cakes. I'm still waiting for him. Um, but it's, yeah, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. Dan Bigger starts the form 10. They wrapped him in cotton wool for a, for the game at the weekend because of his ankle. But Gatman said if it was a test match, he'd be starting. So uh, I'm going Dan Bigger at 10. Error. Yeah, uh, centres, this is where it gets interesting. Because you can make a case for so many different combinations. A lot of people are, are saying that some pl some players should play in certain positions. I'm just going for the Irish combo. What I picked pre-tour and what I think a lot of people would have expected. Bundyaki at 12 and Robbie Henshaw at 13. That's my selection. You know, there's people that are making a case for Elliot Daly to play 13. Chris Harris has played exceptionally well. Um, I just think the combo of those two, the power of Bundyaki, the physicality that we're going to need, and also Henshaw as well. Uh, I know he's only played 50-odd minutes, but he's a world-class player, world-class form, you know, prior to the injury that he picked up. Um, it's, yeah, for me, it's those two in the centres. People have said maybe Farrell at 12. I don't think that Farrell uh, 
and bigger axis is something you go into the first test with uh, 10 and 12. I think, you know, for me, it's Bundyaki and Robbie Henshaw. I've gone for Bundyaki and Chris Harris. I think Chris Harris is one of them players that stood out. One of them stories that, again, a player that I picked out before the tour to go, no one saw it and he's rocked up. I'll tell you what I wouldn't be surprised with. I won't be surprised if Farrell plays 12. I just can't see it. I don't think he should, but I won't be surprised if he, if he starts at 12. The only thing about Chris Harris, he's played exceptionally well, but sometimes you see something and don't get me wrong, Cheslin Colby has skinned a lot of players in his time. The fact that he skinned Chris Harris, does that is that something that will stick in Gats's mind? And listen, Cheslin Colby is going to skin many, many more players better and worse than Chris Harris. Uh, but I think that's the one thing. It's it's horrible to count that one thing against him, but you know perhaps that's what it is. So that's why I've gone Henshaw at 13. Back three is interesting as well, because again, it's really tough to pick. All the back three players you can make cases for. Yeah, the back three that I've gone for is Anthony Watson and Josh Adams on the wings and Liam Williams at fullback. You can make an argument for Stuart Hogg. You can make an argument for Duan van der Merwe, who's big and powerful, and you need that against the box. Has he been really tested? I think when you're talking top, top tier players, Anthony Watson's world-class on the wing or at fullback, and he's shown that on tour. Josh Adams, you can't argue with anything that he's done on this tour. Um, he's been phenomenal, scoring tries for fun, doesn't make mistakes, really good on the high ball. And Liam Williams, the bomb diffuser, um, that's coming all day long, and I think that's a huge strength of his. And I think he he fully deserves to start ahead of Hoggy at fullback. And, you know, unfortunately for Hoggy, it is exceptionally difficult. You know, it's so close to call. You know, there's a number of other players that Lewis rees has been great on tour as well, but... Does his experience count against him um, a tiny bit? I think that's why Gatlin goes with Anthony Watson, Josh Adams and Liam Williams. Yeah, I went for Josh Adams and Liam Williams as well. I put Van der Merwe in, but I think if Aki plays, then they might not put Duan in. But if they put Farrell in at 12, I think Duan will play 11. But I agree with you. Anthony Watson is one of my favourite players and I've not put him in the starting 15. But I, again, this is almost like a cop-out. But I wouldn't be surprised if he is. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But the back three is hard to pick. The centres are hard to pick. I think the rest of them, six and seven are hard to pick. Nine and ten. Actually, fuck it. One to 15. They called it. The lads called it. The team selection was really hard to pick and we're struggling here. But I've gone Van der Merwe, Josh Adams and Liam Williams is a big game player. Hoggy, unfortunately, has been ill. He was, he's obviously on catch-up as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in a second or third test, but for this one, Liam Williams as well, who enjoys a beer that's non-alcoholic. Who drinks non-alcoholic beer? What the, what's fucking, what a waste of time. What a fucking unless, waste. Unless it's unless it's just for banter, just to get caught and just prove people wrong. But, mate, what a waste. Of, no one wants non-alcoholic beer. Either have a beer or don't. Who are you guys checking on the bench? Are you agreeing 6-2, Andrew? No. You're no, not? I'm not? No, I'm not. I'm going, I, I don't agree with 6-2 at all. I hate it. I know you don't, but it's South Africa old school. Let me. I'll, I'll go through then what I think. So I think it will be Rory Sutherland. Ahead of Mako. Ahead of Mako. But Mako brings off the bench his ball carry ability, but his scrum. His scrum just, he's just getting pinged left, right and centre. I, th- I just think around the park, what he adds is great to have a, a, an impetus off the bench. So, And you could arguably say that R- Rory Sutherland is a starter, not a benchman. You, you, you've convinced me again. I'm going for Mako <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> Hooker's interesting. Again, yeah. I'm going for Jamie George. I've gone Jamie George on the bench, but I've gone Ken Owens to start. And no Luke Cowan-Dickey you've gone. Yeah. I'm going Sinclair. He's been good when he's played. Yeah. Uh, he adds real impetus off the bench. 
hundred percent. The second row, back row. I suppose the worry is is Alan Wynne Jones. Like, can he do a full eighty? What if Ebenezer runs Route One Chinatown at a minute? It's him with a fourth leg. Uh, you know what happens then? So you need to have cover for him. If you've got Ty Byrne playing at six, maybe he steps up and Hamish Watson is cover or a Sam Simmons. But I'm gonna go with Courtney Laws on the bench. I've gone Tyke Byrne on the bench because Courtney Laws is starting, so we're just flipping those round. All right, Courtney Laws on the bench with Hamish Watson ahead of a Sam Simmons. I've gone Hamish Watson as well. Yeah, that's my five forwards on the bench. Yeah, I'm going to go five. I'm going to stick with them five forwards. You convinced uh, me again. He's changed again. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go for him. I'll go for Ali Price, even though he should be starting. Yeah, I'm going for Gareth Davis. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Off the off what basis? Just what he he's a try scorer. Uh, he's got a lot of history with Gats in terms of Gats knows exactly what he can do as a player. Um, you think of big moments that he's created for Wales and scored for Wales. You know, he's, I just think he's ahead of Ali Price in that experience category. And Ali Price has been great and does add something different off the bench, but so does Gareth Davis. And I just think the experience counts for him and Gareth Davis will be on the bench. And then my next two are two Saracens. Uh, Owen Farrell, who will cover 10 and 12, because uh, obviously you need some adaptability on the bench. And then Elliot Daly, boomer of a left foot, can play 13 11, 14, and 15. So covers all the back three. And been so, good on tour as well. Yeah, been a very good player. You know, it, it was close that he... I wanted to kind of pick him at 13 as well, Elliot Daly, but I just think with Henshaw's experience and uh, everything that he brings, Elliot Daly's option off the bench is, uh, is spot on. Andrew, I agree. I don't know whether... We, we, I don't think we've agreed on all of them, but most of them. We are the non-expert experts. And you've only picked one Scott to start and he's a South African Scott as well. Have I? Really? Yeah, you're horrible, Jim. Oh, God. I've reverted back to type, haven't I? Gone English. <laughs> it's because it's Freedom Day down there, so maybe that's what's convinced me. Well, we can go inside the Lions camp now and have a chat with a man who's been busy making sure the squad are as prepared as they possibly can be to take on the Springboks in the first test this weekend. British and Irish Lions strength and conditioning coach and former Great Britain Rugby League international John Clark joins us. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? John, thanks for coming on, mate. Let's get it straight out there. Right, is Alan Wynne-Jones starting at the weekend? Who's starting 10 and what's the centre partnership, mate? Because we're talking about it here. If you can't tell us, then we're going to have to wait until Thursday. I think Alan Wynne's at centre, Jim. I think Alan Wynne's playing at centre, mate. So he's, uh, he's <laughs> Noted. Let's talk about it. It must have been so tough for you as an S&C coach. Um, you know, first and foremost, Jen and the boys. But secondly you know, living by the bubbles that you've been living by. How tough's it been? Because I know the lads are exceptionally happy now. You're, you're down near Cape Town, the golf's going on. Are you as an S&C coach allowing them to play as much golf as they want or are you the sort of guy that <laughs> has to control them a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Obviously, the, the course is amazing at the, the Arabella where we are. So they're, uh, they're keen. Uh, LCD tells me uh, he plays four or five times a week at Exeter and he's trying to get that. But no, we're, we're just, you know, on the days off, they can go and play nine holes, uh, 18 holes if they've got a couple of days off. So, um, we're monitoring that, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good few weeks. Obviously, we went to Jersey uh, early on, where we had a really tough few weeks uh, training, training twice a day, three, four times for the first week. So they've done some tough work. Um, they've been, you know, they've, they've been really, really diligent in the way they've gone about the work. And then obviously, we've had the 
we had two games a week um, leading into these test matches. So they've got plenty of work in, they've got plenty of recovery. And so I think I think we're in a good place going into this first test. Tell us about some of the recovery sessions because I hear there's a funny story to be had around something that happened in Jersey. I don't know who with, but obviously I've got moles. I speak to Gats regularly, he's my mentor. And he said some, something went down in Jersey. John, can you tell us, mate, what happened? Uh, well, they, they just ended up being uh, me and a couple of players. We went. Uh, there was a there was a nice bit in the sea, which was basically wall, and it created like a little swimming pool. Um, so me and a couple of players, we were we were last from training, so we went down there, and uh, yeah, the boys were in there. I'm just stood on the side, and the boys just sw- swam over to the side. I said, I'm sure there's someone over there with not much clothes on, and there was a girl swimming around. I was like, no, like, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah, she's 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 good anyway. So. We're walking back and then this young lady just decides she's getting out of the out of this little pool area within the sea and uh, she has not got a thing on. Started <laughs> head to toe, not a thing on. And then just proceeded to pick up a towel in front of all three of us. So it was, uh, needless to say, Jim, we went back for recovery the same day. Uh, every, <laughs> the rest of the time we're there, but unfortunately, mate, it's not, not seen again. Well, I'm sure Bobby Stridgen would have been down there 24-7, wouldn't he, having a look? Um, <laughs> how was it working with Bobby? Because he, he, he coached me years and years and years ago. He's such a top bloke. He's been known for his jovial banter around uh, alongside working the boys exceptionally hard and getting the best out of them. Uh, you must be uh, really loving him, another Northerner, to work together. Well, I, I've actually known Bobby or Stridge, or we, we used to call him at Warrington. He was actually my conditioner back in the day, uh, 2007, 2008 at Warrington, before he got approached by Martin Johnson to go to England and then just left us in the lurch uh, at Warrington. Not he went <laughs> to England and bigger, better things. But there was never any doubt sort of way, the way he was going and with his character. So, yeah, he was, he's was he been immense, obviously. He's got his own un- unique way of doing things. Uh you know, but an, an excellent conditioner of that, you know, the rope, the rope has been present, shall we say? Has it? That's what I was going to say. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm timing lads in drills. I'm looking at my watch and then I get a crack on the back of the hand with a rope and it's, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's everywhere, shall we say. Lads are getting dead arms and yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's, he's been brilliant. Obviously I've known him a long time, picked me to come in and help him out along with Hugh Bennett and uh, Brian and the other lads. So, um, yeah, we, we've got a good SNC team. Feel like we've got a good, strong SNC team. Uh, you know, as you know, on these tours, you need motivators, don't you, and and people to 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 get you up. And when you're not quite feeling it, um, you know, arm around here and there, and a rocky up your backside here and there as well. So I think we've got a good between us. I think we've got a good uh, a good grasp across the boys. Yeah, energizers. Uh, John, just give us a bit of kind of inside intel into the nick of some of the lads. I think some of the people listening to this will be in arguably worse shape than Goody, but if not in line with Goody in terms of the kind of shape they're in. But I don't imagine the lads are coming there unless you're Tom Curry trying to get PBs on the bench press and you know and when they're doing their sprints and that. But the level of athletes now and the, and how athletic you need to be to be a professional rugby player, but to be the elite of the elite, which is effectively what you're working with, is it frightening to see the evolution of these athletes? Like guys like Lewis Reece Samet coming through, who arguably is still a kid. Marcus Smith obviously coming on tour, but just give us some insight into the athleticism of some of these players. The demands of the game are just going up and up and up, aren't they? Every year, you know, the game's getting quicker, harder. You know, the ball in play, that that's staying in a little bit longer. So the way we're training boys is just having to evolve with that as well. So, but yeah, like Tom Curry, for instance, he is an absolute, you know, freak um, in terms of what he can do. You know, we, we look at uh, max velocity, so how fast boys can run. You know, Louis, you know, Zamo, he'll run over 10. Um, you know, Jadzi, they're, they're all going over the 10, the outside back. But Tom Curry now has got 
he's got this obsession of running over 10 metres per second. So, you know, that would be his way, 110, 111 kilograms to be able to move that quick is is phenomenal. Uh, and then down the other end, you know, in the, in the pack, you've got these forwards who, you know, if you look at the front row, what they have to do, it's it's outrageous really, isn't it? You know, they've got to, they've got to carry the ball. They've got to make double figures tackles. They've got to scrum. They've got to lift in line outs. You know, the, the demands on them players is absolutely phenomenal. So to do what they do for the period of time they do it, I think is incredible and, and just a testament to sort of how work, how hard they have to work off the field. And also on the back of that there is the recovery. The recovery now is so important. Uh, and, and so big, you know, the nutrition, the sleep, um, the, the way they recover after training, between training sessions, you know, everything's just taken care of now and, and a huge, a huge demand put on them to make sure that actually when it comes to goal time of the game that they're in as good a condition as possible. Mate, you just mentioned some stats then about 10 metres a second. That, that's, that's not great, to be honest. My missus measured me to get to the buffet on holiday last week. I did 11 metres in one second to get there first. And I, <laughs> I, won, I won the race. So, uh, And you talk about recovery. My recovery was about seven or eight beers on a, after a game. Is there an ability to have a few beers? Because part of the Lions Tour is... Um, you know, the historical lines tours, you need that time to gel together and, and, you know, both pre-tour when you're getting to know each other, say down in Jersey, but also, you know, you're in South Africa now, you're living in this really tough bubble. Mentally for the boys, it must be really difficult, but are you allowing them to have a beer as well? I know you're only allowed to play nine hours of golf. That's horrible. Just let them play 18 as long as they're in a buggy. But are they allowed to have a few beers as well? Is, is Has there been a bit of that around the recovery? Um, yeah, you know, the obviously I've not worked with Gats before, but obviously I've heard, it. you know, he's... I think the blend of hard work and and enjoying yourself is fantastic. And you know, when we're on, we're on, and when we're off, you're off, and you're you know you're treated like a man, and you're 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 left to to, to your own devices and, and to do that. So there is times within the schedule, the way the schedule's set up for them boys to relax and have a drink. Um, so you know that, and the the COVID thing as well. I think it's, it depends which way you look at it, doesn't it? Yeah, they can't go out and do the other things, but actually, what it has done, it's created. It's encapsulated the players to actually spend more time together than they probably would have gone. So they are playing golf together. You know, there's cards tables, we've got the pool table, you know, there's, you know, Curry and Tide Furlong, um, Josh Navid is brilliant on the decks. Navici is the call in now, like he's teaching them to, <laughs> know, to, to become DJs. They've had uh, scrum and scrum and base t-shirts and caps made up, all spelt wrong, you know. So yes, the bubble isn't it, you know, can be an issue, but actually. I, I believe from watching them, it's it's making these lads probably you know as tight as they could be in, in this situation, which I think is brilliant. Who's cutting the lids? Because I'm seeing some. Well, I saw an outrageous lid with obviously Lewis Rees. I thought he was going to shave it off at half time. He had the lightning bolt, and I thought if Cheson Colby skins him, he's going to have to shave it off like my mate did um, playing for um, Bath at the time, where he had a Mohican shaved it off, and then he got subbed off, and he was raging. But who's doing the lids? Because there's a few lads in there that are big on themselves, looking sharp. Are they doing it themselves? Have you got a hairdresser? What's happening? Yeah, so head of medical prav, he, he's he's pretty good with the clippers. So he he takes care of the players, and then we uh, we as staff get his understudy, Kieran uh, Crossgrove, who's the doctor. Um, so he'd never done a straight blade shave before. So I let him have a go, <laughs> a go <up> man <laughs> the other day, and uh, I, I knew he'd cut it in the afternoon. I knew I was in trouble because that evening the staff were sat round, and I walked past, and he stood up in the middle of the staff and said. JC, I'll, I'll come and have another go at that if that's all right. <laughs> he's done you. Um, yeah, he's done me. So, but yeah, no. So, Prav cuts him. Um, he, he does a great job with the boys. Like, he, you know, he's head of medical. So, he's dealing with COVID. He's dealing with injuries, illnesses, you know, all the, all the 
regalia that goes with being a head of medical and he's doing 10, 12 cuts the day before a game. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Everyone would have seen the photo of the lads from the Springbok team in the 2019 World Cup where they had a combined body fat of probably 3 or 4%. Who let Xander? Who let? Yeah, exactly. Very dubious. Yeah, the the fact he stayed at the back. Xander Ferguson. Who let him have a picture taken with his shirt off, looking like a bag of sick in the sea <laughs> when he hurt his back before you float? Because that's part of it, isn't it? Surely your role must be like lads. You can't take your top off, Mako. You can't take your top off. We've seen him with his shirt off. But Tom Curry, Hamish Watson, you lads, you can prance around because it's going to make me look good. Does anyone yeah, monitor that as well or not about who, who can and can have their shirts off? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, we should probably monitor it a bit closer, a more closely. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple who could probably get you the sack and there's probably who could get you another 50 grand a year, isn't there? So it's, <laughs> it's just, uh, the case of having the camera in the right space. You'd have hated to work with me then, mate, because uh, I'd have definitely got you the sack at some point. Actually, you'd have got me the sack. You'd have just not, can't work with that mess. Degree, I'm not a miracle worker, mate, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> Talk about some practical jokers in the squad. There seems to be a really tight um, sort of ethos around not only just the players, but the management and coaches and SNC yourself. And SNC are genuinely the butt of a, a few jokes, a bit of abuse, but also leading the charge as well. Who are the good practical jokers in the group? Is um, Tim Percival, the head of sort of comms, is he uh, is he getting his pants pulled down like um, someone did on the last tour? <laughs> No, no. Uh, in terms of practical jokes, there's not been many. What what has been really really good is the uh, is the fine system that the boys have got going. Um, so he, they they're literally fining each other for anything. You know? And the ironic bit is Mako's head of fines, and I think he was the first one to actually get fined for missing something or being late. So uh, there's a couple of boys down there, and I've just had dinner, and uh, Maratoje is sat in sat in his full suit shirt tie, shoes, jacket, <laughs> for, for whatever he's done. Mako's been the same. Johnny Hill's the same. He's got these 
school pants on that are mid-shin. So the fine system's legendary. And that's where, you know, Zamo's haircuts uh, come from. So, uh, and I'm sure it's just basically any, anything that they get fined for, there's a dice roll and obviously there's consequences for each roll. So um, that's uh, that's quite fun to, uh, to see how that pans out. And the worst one, Ken Owens has brought his missus on tour, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm saying nothing. About- Is that true? Yeah, she's part of the uh, she's part of the backroom team, isn't she? In terms of the 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 video footage and all the stuff that's going on social media. So effectively, he's just brought his missus on tour. That's a fine every day for me. Separate rooms, I believe. <laughs> All the best. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> um, tell us about the Bobby Cup. I know it's been out there in other public domains. We've not specifically been told, but if you can tell our millions of listeners and viewers what that is, that might give him a bit of insight into why he's so legendary. Yeah, so I, th- I think it actually evolved from uh, his wash days. Obviously, he got the nickname Bobby Boucher for the water boy. And then uh, the Bobby Cup now. So if we win two games on the run, the Bobby Cup comes out. So And it can be anything. You know, he's done through the keyhole, trying to work out who lads are. But the first, um, the first Bobby Cup that he basically introduced all the coaching staff and had clips and, uh, you know, all sorts about the coaching staff. And the best one was about Gregor. He said, there's, there's a reason why Gregor's an attack coach. Because basically, have a look at this. And there was just clip after clip after clip of Gregor missing tackles. It was comedy, though. Yeah, so that... And then he'll basically present it to uh, a player for a big moment in the week, a big moment in the match, uh, a man of the match performance, you know. So I think first week... We had probably two or three lads who could have got it. Hoggy for that chase back that he did. Um, we know, but I think Jadzi scored 17 tries or something, didn't he, in 25 minutes. So I think uh, it was hard not to give it him. So so every every two games, basically, Fridge will be doing this thing, which is uh, legendary to see. Hopefully the rope's out as well while he's doing it. Well, the rope's always out late, isn't it? As I said, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'd heard it when he was um, the condition at Warrington. We'd, I'd heard about this thing, but I'd not actually seen it. So we won uh, one of our first away games. We won it. And um, we had we had some chocolates on the uh, on the bus, and he put a chocolate down the end of the rope and lassoed the rope, and it nearly took this kid's eye out on the back of the rope. And moved <laughs> the back window at about forty five mile an hour until it nearly took his eye out. So. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's all good. Oh, legend. Um, uh, let's just talk, obviously, a massive week. Um, we've got a full week's build-up into it. You know, we've seen in the press today that there's Barfin Russell, pretty much a full bill of health. Um, have you gone and knocked on Gatsy's door with the medical team and said, um, we've done a pretty good job here, where's the pay rise? Because uh, it's been, it is a brutal tour, isn't it? And, and having that, going into the, the first test week where everyone's fit, Barfin Russell is, is brilliant from you boys. Yeah, well, I think as, as S&C, it's easy to put your hand up, isn't it, when everything's, uh, when everything's going well. But the one thing I, I have learned over the years is when when you get a fully fit squad to pick from, it's a massive joint effort. Uh, coaches, medical, S&C, off the field, you know, because stress is, you know, off the field stress can cause injury, on field stress can cause injury. So when you get such a good collaboration of all these different units, it's great that, that then, you know, leading into a first test, we can, we can produce virtually a fully fit squad to pick from. So... Uh, I think that's testament to what the, the whole of the Lions part is about, really. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll take credit for his S&Cs and coaches, but, yeah, I think it's a huge, a huge uh, effort all around to get what's effectively a 40-man squad now, um, you know, to only have probably one, not not quite up for selection, is, is, a, big, uh, is a big plus. How did you get Alan Wynn fit? <laughs> well, I think he got himself fit. You know, he was... Uh, He's a special bloke, Alan Wynn, isn't he? You know, and and special special people do special things. So there was no way he was gonna go. 
you know, go home and just take that sitting down. You know, he's obviously been for different scans and, and this, that and the other and decided well, actually at his age for what's at, what's at stake that he can actually probably take one or two more risks perhaps than a, than a young kid can. And he's, to be fair to him, he's driven everything himself. He's had everything at home. He's been into Wales. Uh, he's had programmes. He's done training at Wales with it. So, you know, what, what can you say about it? It's just, it's just an incredible effort to get to get back here uh, and, you know, hopefully lead the boys now into a, a very successful test series. No, absolutely. It's class to see him back. Uh, John, what's the consensus after the game against South Africa A, effectively the Springboks? We were just talking about it before we had you on. Was it not a wake-up call, but was there a general consensus is actually we've got to be up another two or three levels physically in order now to win these test matches? Was it almost a bit of a shock or not? I think, Jim, you know, you, you know, you'll have both been in games where actually you come out of it with a loss, but think that's probably the best thing that could have ever happened to us, really, because you, you see what level you need to be at. That, those first 20, 30 minutes, you, you know you're going to have to compete as hard as you've probably ever competed in your life against these boys because they're going to come out of the breakdown, hard in the tackle, they're going to carry hard, and you've just got to, you've got to live with them for 30, 40 minutes and match them. And then after that, you know, things will take care of themselves. But um, I... Coming off, a lo- uh, coming off a loss, I was very, very positive. And I think that was the vibe around it, actually. That's probably the best thing that could have happened, really. And then, obviously, your role is mainly to do with the players and S&C with those boys. But um, just give us an insight. Is Gats, like, smashing the gym 24-7 or is he just I can tell you he ain't. My mentor ain't at the minute. I don't want to profile. I don't want to stereotype, John. I can answer that question. Stress. He's been stressed, is all I'm saying. He's thinking at the end of the tour, he's going to lean it up again. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Gregor like Gregor rips in. He don't mind getting his top off when it's sunny. You're having a little run around the field, which is uh, Muckers, obviously. Brother McBride, he trains hard. He rips in. Uh, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, in terms of Gats, I- I've not seen him train yet. What a legend! That's my man for you. Don't need to. Some- sometimes <laughs> right, you just don't need Exactly. Right, John. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the tour. Pleasure, boys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Love it. Legend, John. Good luck, mate. Just last question. Any chance of a personal uh, personal plan for me? 41-year-old bloke, need to lose about 10 kilos. Uh, no can't traps. Run, can't run, ankles fucked, uh, don't like the gym. I'm, I'm sure you'll come up with something over the next few weeks and we'll have a chat about it. Cost you about 25k, that for you. Ah, well. mate, that's pocket change, pocket <laughs> change. We're on Spotify, mate. <laughs> hey, boys. Top man, thanks, JC. Top bloke. Top lad. Northerner. Yeah, yeah. mate, I love Northerners. I don't... We get any northern on the show, and they're just salt the earth good lads, aren't they? They take the piss out of themselves. They'll take the piss out of other people. You have a crack with them, but they graft and they work hard, don't they? So they're uh, yeah, the top- ones you want in the in the squad, Goody, because they are the ones that take the piss. But they're the ones that, when the shit hits the fan, or when you need to work, or you need to run through a wall, I'm running through through. I'll, I'll run through any wall for a northern man, apart from yeah. Faz, apart from him. Any other <laughs> northern man, I will run through a wall for. <laughs> Let's get your predictions in. What's going to happen in the first test, lads? Four red cards. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. Um, Bit of drama. Yeah, there's going to be drama, isn't there? Let, let's not beat around Jim's bush. Um, you know, I think some of the South Africans are, they live on the edge the way they defend. Uh, you know, we've seen what happened for Corey Bietti for Australia against France. You only need to be half an inch out. Faf de Klerk's won. He was very lucky for me to only get yellow. You know, there was one where I think Jesse Creel steps off the wing and forearm smashes Chris Harris in the face, jumping into Something is going to click uh, and something is going to possibly go wrong. Um, 
for South Africa. I think the Lions win it by three points. It's going to be so tight. The forward battle is going to be phenomenal. The physicality early on, uh, it's going to be cagey. We know that Andre Pollard and Faf de Klerk are going to kick the leather off it at times. You know, Even Peter de Villiers, the old South African coach, has come out with a statement saying Cheslin Colby's wasted playing for the Springboks because they play ball and rugby. Hang on a minute, mate. They've just won the World Cup, which... You know, uh, I know it was a couple of years ago, Cheslin Colby played for Springboks A, still rent someone and created a try. So, yeah, ridiculous. Um, there's so much threat in terms of what South Africa have got. Uh, do I think Willie LaRue at fullback is a slight weakness? Yes. Um, don't want to be horrible, uh, but Jim used to call him Willie LaPoo. That's not very nice, Jim. Only at Wasps. Uh, you know, they are going to lift up another level. Playing for that Springbok jersey is something that perhaps we can't really fathom of how much it means to them, especially, again, at this moment, the way the country is. But the Lions boys, I just think the fitness might show in the last 20 minutes where we could pick up the pace of the game. For me, you bring on players like Tyg Byrne, um, who, who can change a game. You bring on Hamish Watson as well for another energy ball, Carl Sinclair. I think our bench depth, especially up front, is probably a little bit better. Um, so I'm going Lions by three points. I think Lions will win it. I think South Africa are limping into this game. And I say that with the utmost respect. But you look in the news this week, Siakalisi is not training yet. There's a number of others not training yet. It's been a disjointed build-up. Speaking to John Clark, you could even hear it in his voice, couldn't you? Like the bit between the teeth around the physicality, if they can get that right. And look, there's no doubt about it. These three games are going to be close. I think we, I love how we say we, I feel part of it. I feel like I belong there. I think it's going to be close. Again, two or three point game. Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, loads of good again this week. Um, we're going to start off with England, Jim. Of course we are. One of my old teams. England under 20s. Uh, won the Six Nations Grand Slam by beating Italy 27-17. Wasn't a big score, but it shows how good Italy are these days. They smashed Scotland the other week as well, Jim. Don't know whether you remember that. That's it, uh, so- that's it. England under-20s won the Six Nations Grand Slam, tipped the slipper to them. Uh, going over to your land, Andy Rowe. Oh, hello. Sevi Reese, hat-trick for the All Blacks against Fiji. He is some player, isn't he, Sevi Reese? Absolutely ridiculous. So he gets a mention in the good. Um, let's stay over kind of your neck of the woods, Andy Rowe, but it's not your neck of the woods because we're going to Australia. And I mentioned in the good, and I mentioned in the good this week goes to the Australia versus France Test series, uh, an absolutely banging three-game Test series. The Aussies won it in the end, uh, winning the deciding Test thirty-three thirty. The French will be kicking themselves because if you think back to Test one, they had the game won. All they had to do was win the line out, boot it off. But oh no 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 no, they play hot potato, or in French that is pomme de terre show, pomme de terre show. And tap it around a bit. End up, <laughs> end up losing the game by giving the penalty away. So uh, it was a hell of a test series. And staying in France, um, I tweeted it. Of course I did. The French try by Jean-Pierre Barassi. 95-metre effort. Absolutely ridiculous. Teddy Thomas with a lovely chip down the wing. Then the hands. The crisp passing down the line where no one breaks stride. It was phenomenal to see. French rugby at its best. Ooh la 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 la. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, they get a definite mention in the good. But the Australians need the big mention because they won the Test Series despite being down to 14 men for 75 minutes after Corey Bietti got sent off. Um, so, out of an effort from the Aussies. What else was good? Argentina pulled Wales's pants down 33-11 in about 45 degrees heat in Cardiff. Knock-ons galore. Uh, but Argentina, we know they're a quality outfit. They smashed the All Blacks a few months back, didn't they, Andy Rowe? So, um 
Yeah, it was Wales's probably second slash third team uh, who ran them pretty close. But uh, Argentina got their shit together this week and pulled Wales's pants down 33-11. Valiant from the Welsh boys, but tipped the slipper to the Argentinians. What else is good? Marcus Smith. He's going to get another mention. He seems to get a mention every week in the good at the minute because he's playing that good. Uh, rocks up on the Lions tour. He's there about three hours and then puts in a hell of a performance for them. I'd have given him man of the match. I know it went to Luke Cowan Dickey, but uh, a great performance for Marcus Smith. Love the hair, love the goose. Goal kicking extremely excellent as well. So uh, seven out of seven for him from the tee. Hell of an effort. Um, let's see if he gets involved in the Lions test. So uh, well done, Marcus Smith. But the goo this week can only go to one man. The greatest second row we've ever seen to pull on a Welsh jersey. Oh, sorry. There you go, Welsh jersey. Uh, the Lions captain on his fourth Lions tour, Lazarus is back. He dislocated his shoulder. Then 18 days later was announced that he was going back out on the Lions tour. Flew out to South Africa, comes off the bench. Our skipper is back. Lazarus, the sucky finger, the splits, your shoulder, your ard, your bionic man. Alan Wynne-Jones is back. The Lions are going to win the Test Series because of it. Alan Wynne-Jones gets the good this week. Here I'm actually going to change while you talk about Alan Wynne-Jones. I'm going to put Adam Beard on the bench just for reference for people <laughs> listening back. Just my mind's ticket. It means that much to me to get it right. I'm going Adam Beard instead of Courtney Laws. FYI. The bad. few bits of bad. We're going to start off. South Africa A lost 17 points to 14 to the Bulls despite featuring a few players likely to play in the tests. Not good preparation from them. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, Wales losing 33-11 at home to Argentina in Cardiff. Uh, loads of knock-ons. Uh, what else was bad? Jim, Scotland in the 20s. <laughs> We've got to give them a mention. They finished bottom of the Six Nations with zero points. Blame Sturgeon. They've not been able, they've not been able to leave their house. Nicholas Who thought so that? You're blaming Nicholas Sturgeon? Well, I'm happy to put my name to it, yeah. <laughs> Scotland under-20s get a mention in the bad this week. But the bad, we're going to stay up in Scotland, Jim. We're going to go to the are. town that you live in and the club that you played for. He's gone. I can't work it out. Is it Edinburgh? Is it Cockers? Who gets the bad? Well, Cockers has left Edinburgh. That's bad news, both for Edinburgh and maybe for Cockers because he's out of a job. They say it's by mutual consent. And having been someone who's experienced the saying of I am leaving this club via mutual consent. It's never mutual. It's never, I'll tell you now, it's never mutual. One of them's pushed it. We don't know who, but he's done a hell of a job up at Edinburgh as cockers. Um, sometimes you need a change. We're hearing about some of the players not particularly happy over the last few months with the way cockers were handling things, but maybe cockers has got another opportunity over in France or somewhere else in the premiership. He's a great coach. And uh, yeah, the bad news for Edinburgh fans is that cockers is leaving and that gets the bad this week. Hashtag always not today. Yeah, I think he's run his course. I think naturally, and also the fact that you're losing two of your best players to Worcester of all places. So the cash isn't there. And yeah, I think Edinburgh have reached the ceiling, unfortunately, of where they can go. The Pro 14 is under a restructure. It's now called the United Championship. Cockers wants to coach in France. Imagine coaching Leicester, no disrespect to Edinburgh. Imagine coaching Leicester, doing what you've done there, coaching Toulon, and then going to Edinburgh. And he's built them up. He's done a really good job with them. But I think the timing's right. If, it not, if not now, then it would have been next year. So I think he'll end up in France. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he's, he had a two-year extension. So he, his contract lasted until 2023. And it's just before pre-season starts. So it's timing's strange for me. So it must be something to do with another job, maybe for Cockers over in France. Ooh, la, la, la. Maybe Biritz. 
Who knows? Mm. So that gets the bad this week. Cocker's leaving Edinburgh. Uh, the ugly, couple of bits of ugly. Uh, Jim mentioned it earlier. Lewis Rees-Summit's lid, the old uh, lightning bolt down the back of it. Um, good bants. He obviously had a fine. He rolled the dice. I don't think it's good bants. I don't think that's good bants. That's shit bants. That's like, mate, what you're doing, that ain't bants. <laughs> well, it was a fine, wasn't it? And he rolled the dice of doom or whatever they call it. Uh, and it came out with a haircut. So um, fair play to Lewis Rees-Summit. I remember when Jim Hamilton said if something happened, he'd get a Joe Marler tattoo on his ass. Where he also said if this happened, he'd shave his lid. And I haven't seen any of them. Any follow through from you, Jim? I don't want to see a follow through. Actually, the Harry Ellis story in Argentina. Genuinely, not not great. <laughs> but, There's a lot. I could I could fill a bin bag. Is all I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> but fair play to Lewis Rees-Summit for following through with his fine. Uh, but the ugly this week goes to the whole fallout around Marika Corribietti's red card at the weekend. Some commentators were up in arms. Sonny Bill Williams wasn't happy. The actual reaction of Anthony Gelanche, uh, the France number eight, holding his face, going down like a footballer when it seemed to me the initial contact was kind of shoulder to shoulder and then maybe it rose up into the neck a little bit. The whole fallout around it, the red card has now been rescinded by the Independent Disciplinary Committee. Uh, and to me, it looked like there was shoulder to the head, but they're now saying that that was secondary. And the confusion around what's going on. We see Fafta Clerk ram his shoulder into the head of Navidi, potentially. That doesn't even get looked at. Just the inconsistency around it. Corbietti looked like a high shot. Was Jalonch dipping a bit? It's just the whole take on it. Aussies and Kiwis, they ain't happy with these laws, but they're more than happy for players to get concussed. So we need to come to somewhere where there's a level playing field and everyone understands it. And the fact that the red card's been rescinded by an independent disciplinary committee makes even more questionable around what's going to happen going forward and watch this space because on Saturday I reckon there might be a couple of instances where South Africans or potentially Owen Farrell goes a bit high and we'll see what happens. Thanks Goody and you've got a shout out to finish off with thing Jim. Yeah got a big shout out to a group of 20 people from Mould RFC in North Wales friends of the show. They're cycling 220 miles from London to Mould over three days to raise funds in memory of Paul Hopkins uh, Paul was born with a heart condition, but he didn't let it hold him back. He was living his life to the absolute fullest. Unfortunately, the annual five-a-side rugby tournament in his name couldn't take place this year due to, of course, COVID restrictions. So the team have taken on this challenge to raise funds for the British Heart Foundation, which do unbelievable things, as we know. So if you'd like to donate, just visit the Just Giving page and search Hoppo's high five charity bike ride 2021 so good luck with that all guys yeah go well boys thanks jim thanks goody thanks producer tim and thank you very much for listening don't forget to check us out on youtube we've just posted my interview with john bentley about the 97 lions tour to south africa and make sure you head on over to spotify and we'll see you all there rugby spot spotted pod 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 pod, pod.